left off in the year 1913, where the SS Atlantica started its maiden voyage across the Atlantic Ocean on a heading for Boston, Massachusetts. But rough waters and nightmares have plagued the passengers and crew since the voyage began just two nights ago, and a strange creature has been reported climbing onto the ship from the murky brine. All evidence points to the beasts receiving aid from someone on board. It's up to the crew to foil this traitor's plot before the ship is dragged into the inky depths below, featuring Ace as the mystic apprentice. William as the man of arms, Brooke as the helpful stowaway, and Ian as the first mate. And now, on with the programming. Welcome to the podcast, where this month we'll be covering Unfathomable, a hidden role board game designed by Tony Fanchi and Corey Konichka, and published by Fantasy Flight Games in 2021. I am joined by Will. Oh, hello. Brooke. Hello. And our guest, Ace. Hi. As we journey uh, into the depths of madness for this game. In this game, at least one of your crew members have turned on their fellow man and is carrying out the will of their dark masters from below the waters. The goal of the game is to keep them from destroying the ship and its passengers until the SS Atlantic reaches the harbor of Boston safely. Before we begin, I'd like to talk about the Lovecraftian genre a little bit so we can get a feel for everyone's familiarity on the subject. With all of us living in New England, I think it's fair to assume that we're at least conscious of who H.P. Lovecraft is. The themes from what is known as Lovecraftian horror or eldritch horror have wide-ranging impacts on tabletop games, movies, and other cultural elements. I, uh, I figured we'd take a moment to kind of discuss what we might have seen that is related to it or maybe read the books or played any games that relate to it. Uh, some instances that we've covered in the podcast, things like Monster of the Week, have a lot of elements of, uh, of Eldritch Horror, for example. I wouldn't have associated with that. That's a good point. That's to me yeah. always screamed like Scooby-Doo style, which wasn't which... necessarily crafty in nature. Yeah, it depends on the Scooby-Doo episode, I think. I mean, it's definitely some of the plots are influenced by, like, Lovecraftian entities. Um, but it, I, I will also say, like, Scooby-Doo is maybe not the best example because it's also influenced by, like, traditional yeah. monsters and other, like, mystery tropes throughout the years. Um, but, like, Courage the Cowardly Dog and Grim Adventures is definitely, like, two that are big ones. Goosebumps is another one, I would think. Yeah, Dungeons and Dragons has an entire like section for like eldritch horrors and, and the occult and, and the occult and warlocks and stuff. Okay, yeah, no, I, I'm kind of removed from it. I hadn't heard much growing up about it. I'm not a huge horror person, so I've kind of come into this blind. I also am not read up on my Cthulhu's and my big big fish, so. <laughs> this is all new to me. So I have the uh, the dictionary definition for Lovecrafting here. I feel like some people might like to hear what it actually is, because I feel like people hear the term thrown around a bit every once in a while, but it's not really something people go out of their way to, to learn about, which is fair, because it is from like the, the early 1900s. So uh, according to Oxford Dictionary, uh... Lovecraftian, relating to or reminiscent of the works of U.S. fantasy writer and horror writer H.P. Lovecraft, 
Howard Phillips Lovecraft from 1890 to 1937, especially in depicting monstrous, misshapen beings from another dimension or universe, often in a sinister, antiquated New England setting. So basically just where we live. Does it always have to be New England? It doesn't. Uh, I So the setting is the part that I think is the most flexible, as well as like the time. Because I've seen a lot of people go with that that horror from beyond the, the realm and apply it to uh, uh, science fiction. I've seen them apply it to modern day, to like older fantasy. It's become very prevalent in like a lot of tabletop games too. Like uh, obviously Call of Cthulhu is going to be like the big one. But as I mentioned, Monster of the Week has a few elements and Dungeons and Dragons have, have their own little section for it. I mean, and just to tie back in like to the New England thing, I think it is important to note that New England has a lot of spooky history associated with it. And like, I, I, I can think of at least one of HP Lovecraft's works that is based off of a real location with some real freaky stuff, it, which is like the Dunwich horror, mm-hmm. uh, which yeah. is based on like the weird sounds that come out of the Dunwich mine and all that stuff. Um, but I don't, I feel like New England just also attracts creepy writers in general. Like Stephen King lives in Maine. It's like, the fog. It it's is the, it's fog. the fog. It is the fog. It's got are some we, very Silent Hill energy. Are we known for the fog? We are I mean, New England, England is, yeah. Well, is like England known for the fog? Happened. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Although I thought they called it New England it smog. I I thought New England was known for the fact that we were we were the thirteen colonies. Is that not why they call it New England? Well, so two of those colonies, multiple of those colonies, aren't even in New England because Virginia and and um, what was the other one? Uh, Delaware are part of the thirteen colonies. Uh, Maryland, yeah, Maryland, um, Delaware. Why would it be? Jesus Christ. <laughs> Like New England was was not like a series of states until relatively recently in our history, like late seventeen, early eighteen hundreds. Mm-hmm. It was all kind of just one homogenous entity. And I think we were more like less speaking about the thirteen original colonies and more just saying, if we're thinking about how people depict this area, it's like quiet it, fog on a pier where no one is awake. Yeah. Like, it's gotcha. it's always gray and cold here. Yeah. And and there's a lot of fish. Fish are scary. And everyone's grumpy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. I see that. I mean, you'd be grumpy too if you only saw the sun four days a year. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, I like it here. I'm pretty joyous. I'm pretty holly jolly. I, I don't, you know, honestly, I don't think uh, Eldritch Taurus would affect me. I think I'm too happy. I mean, we've been living with them our whole life, and and it's it, we've been fine so far. Yeah, thank you. I'm just gonna bring <laughs> it up. Like, thank you. the closest I got to I'm not an I guess form, this genre. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. You're right. You're right. I'm sorry. Definitely the closest I got to this, mean. the closest I got to this genre would probably be the fact that, like, growing up in a Roman Catholic setting, um, misshapen things, angels, like, I'm, that's more what I'm used to, which I guess would be classified as that because they don't have like they have millions of eyes I yeah like eyes more eyes more sight yeah honestly so like that I, type of a monster but like i feel like that that kind of ties into the similar sort of like beliefs as like the cthulhu mythos where like they go to great lengths to never actually describe what they look like just what they don't look like 
And you see in like a lot of like biblical texts when when people first see angels, they have to be like, "Don't be afraid of me, guy." Like, yeah, biblically accurate angels are are pretty Lovecraftian looking thing. They are, yeah, yeah. So that's probably the closest I ever got to this up until like college. Yeah, I so part of the the elements of it, I feel are. Uh, I've only read one of his his actual books, uh, the color of outer space, uh, uh, out, the color out of space. I had to look up the title because it has been a long time. But it, it's all just like it's less like actual monsters and more like what Will said the the idea of of monsters or the unknown uh, and like the the limits of the human mental capacity to understand things. Uh, from what I gathered, H.P. Lovecraft was kind of not entirely stable. Which nah. yeah, no, yeah, I, I don't a think a cursory anyone's... Google search would tell you that. Yeah, it would. Um, he 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 definitely was not a a shiny example of of what humanity can be as far as 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 certain beliefs of his. Uh, I will say he also grew up in the the Jim Crow era where he was kind of bombarded yes. with with propaganda and lived a very sheltered life. Yes, but I'm just glad that it's taken on a life of its own and we don't necessarily put the man on the pedestal. That's all I say. Absolutely. Absolutely. His work has has definitely transcended beyond what he put into it, and people have kind of made it their own thing. The only thing that really stuck was his name with it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I feel the younger generations now, unless they really look into it and want to know why it's a Lovecraftian horror... In the next generation or two, I feel like he's going to kind of fade into the background as this, like, I don't know. He's not going to be as related to it as he once was because so many people took up the mantle. And you also have, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh, no, it made it their own. Like, there's there's authors that are now doing it, you know? Yeah, I well, I, I was just going to tie into that. I mean, you also have better examples of, of less problematic authors that were writing similar styles, like Edgar Allan Poe, who... Still a little problematic, but not, definitely not as problematic as as H.P. Lovecraft. Not as and, in your face. <laughs> yeah, he he was he was respectable. Kept his problems uh, underneath the surface. Sort of. Yeah, uh, absolutely. the The name of Lovecraftian horror is also slowly changing uh, as people they're they're kind of changing it to like Eldritch horror, and they've given it a few other names to kind of make it its own thing because at this point the genre has kind of moved past that whole like i said antiquated new england setting towards a lot of other other things yeah uh, a, i a just love the, the last name kind of Lovecraft. It. the last, it is a name, good is last just, name yeah it is a great last name like but for, i can see why yeah. yeah i mean yeah he's got a great first name too hp like the computer yeah, like exactly like a, you know if you turn that upside down it's d4 it becomes a robot it's a lot so i don't know if you noticed when i was reading the dictionary definition but his real name is howard phillips which is a lot less uh in your yeah better than humpy pumpy humpy pumpy lovecraft Ace, can can you can you say it one more time, but a little slower so that I, I make sure I heard it correctly? Better, better than Humpy Pumpy Lovecraft. I okay. hate that so much. I so, think, thank you. My You're first uh, 
the first time I, I knew what Cthulhu was, the first time I heard that name, I was uh, looking through like old Steam games that I could buy really cheap, and I found this one called Cthulhu Saves the World, <laughs> where some witch has taken the powers from Cthulhu and he can't get them back until he's helped save the planet, and he very reluctantly goes along with like a very bubbly hero to to save the world. Was it a fun game? It was a it was a JRPG. It was. Kind of fun. It was more funny than fun. Okay. At one point, he was stopped by like a group of, of Power Ranger parodies, and he had to get past them because they're like, "You're evil. We're gonna stop you." He's like, "Hey guys, I'm not doing that right now. I have my own thing going on, and they're just not listening." That's actually pretty funny. All right. So I think if we're all set on that, uh, I think it's time to move into our score sheet. Yeah. Starting with the uh, number of players. I give what this a three. I, uh, I think three to six is a pretty reasonable uh, number for a, a hit and roll game. Yeah, it's not quite the eight of Cosmic Encounter. Uh, you know, can't all be perfect. I um, <laughs> I was very on the fence about this one. Three to six is what I traditionally give three stars to, so I'm not breaking with tradition. But this is one of the few games where I would say like eight plus is really kind of how you want to do this. It especially. When, when you did the dry run, how many people were in your playthrough? Uh, five. That's not too bad. I feel like when you're at, like, four people and one of them's an imposter, the amount of actual management and maintenance... Because, like, it was it was nonstop from the start. Like, it, it, it started bad, and at no point in time did it get better. Got less bad, but it was still very bad multiple, multiple times. So I gave it a two. Because I don't think the game is built for three players at all. Um, because you just don't have the skill cards to to like handle that. Yeah. Because uh, yeah. you'll you'll just run out, which is what happened to us. That was something I noticed during during our playthrough for four players too. Is that the the skill cards don't really scale down. I will also mention that if you're playing with uh, with five people, you get two uh, of the traders, two of the hybrids. But even at that point, five, six, seven, eight people. When you when you start getting to that point, like two traders makes sense. Potentially three with the cultist. Um, it's still more doable because you just have more physically, or you physically have more trait cards to play. Um, even if they don't necessarily benefit you, it's it's. It just adds more to the game, I think. I don't know. Yeah, I gave it a one and a half because three players, even four players was hard. I just, I don't like when they say you can play it at that point and you still can't. Like, if it's going to be hard, suggest it for a higher and then people will do what they want anyway. But saying it would work with three and four, I just, I don't know. It rubs me the wrong way. Yeah, I mean, it's, I they will say it's like a game that I think it's supposed to be very hard to win. And that's that's something I noticed with a lot of the, the, the games in this that are kind of more on the complex side. Uh, you're not necessarily supposed to win every time. Losing is fun. And and I, I you can see that in a lot of games, the, the whole mentality of, well, you don't want people to win on the first or second playthrough because then they'll never pick the game up again. And 
I mean, that's just my opinion on it, though. So, like, I, I can also understand how frustrating that is because as I'm also someone who likes to win. So, like, if yeah. I'm losing, I don't, I don't think I've ever won a game of Unfathomable, and I played three games now. Oh no, I, I won as a as a trader, but uh, as I was gonna say, but as, as a the party, innocence, yeah, you you almost never win. Yeah, I think that comes to like what I was saying before, like a balance thing. I do not feel like the game is perfectly balanced. Because I think I think when we were playing it, I said specifically, honestly, you don't really need a trader. <laughs> yeah. Especially for like four people, if we were all working together, because uh, Brooke was our trader, uh, but only in the second half of the game, and when we were already kind of up up shit's creek. There yeah. Was no help. Yeah, you didn't do anything to hurt us. It just I, happened. Yep, I did not. <laughs> <laughs> I saw the writing on the wall and just let it happen. Uh, I will be honest. Brooke is the perfect traitor. I always assume that she's incapable of doing no evil and therefore just immediately discount her. I don't like being the traitor. Normally, I don't like this genre of games in general. I did enjoy this one. Although, as soon as I became the traitor, I no longer liked it as much. I don't like lying. It's not my thing. Of all the people who, who who to get the traitor, I, I was interested to see what would happen if you got it. I'm only sad that we didn't get to play through more uh, from that point. Yeah, I've been traitor and um, menace among us a couple times, but I wouldn't yeah. mind playing this game again and seeing if it happens. All right. So if we're all set on that to that subject, uh, going into inclusivity. I feel like we have quite a bit to talk about on this one. <laughs> oh boy! Uh, yes, we do. I'm gonna let you guys go up. Go ahead first uh, on your thoughts on this one. I hate the font so much. I had such a problem reading it in every aspect. This like you have to read so out much. the cards. No. Yeah, it's a lot game. of reading. It is a lot of reading. Yeah. Yeah, not even like uh, the uh, lore stuff, because every every card has what like thirty to forty words telling you what action you can take with it, and it's on really small text because the cards are really really small. It, it it's difficult. Yeah, this game was a lot. This was this is a lot. It was a lot of symbol matching. It was a lot of color matching with the symbols. The symbols are really hard to differentiate between each other. I spent the first half of the game thinking that the sanity was a bundle of grapes and therefore was the food. And I was trying to figure out why the stovepipe hat was on there and that was an indicator. (laughs) What unit of metric that was. Turns out it was a tin can of food. But that's something that could have been done in color and would have made it a lot easier to understand. Why do all of these weird, obscure symbols for things? Like, the passengers kind of made sense. I don't know why three of them equals one, but whatever. Yeah, like the the symbols were also kind of there was there were so many of them. There's so many. I so I I also noticed like even for me uh, the red and the orange between the uh, uh, what was the the skills red was strength and uh, orange was uh, influence. Uh, they looked very similar. Uh, and the symbols you can use to tell them apart, and I feel like for strength at least, that's pretty self-evident. It was a muscle. Uh, some of them were kind of vague. Uh, I think sanity was a brain, and wisdom was a picture of a head, and you could see the brain in it. Yeah. Uh, 
the symbols for the different monsters were distinguishable, but they didn't really stand out as this is Father Dagon, this is a deep one, and this is Mother Hydra. I feel like Mother Hydra probably could have looked a little more like, like a, a Hydra, yeah. at least in the symbol. Yeah, no, the symbol for Mother Hydra is the breaking of a ship, which is the action she does, which is not intuitive. Yeah. And, and Father Dagon looks like a, a, a poorly uh, taken picture of Nessie or something. Yeah, and the the Deep Ones, which you're going to be getting the most of, looks like a picture of Father, Father Dagon. Yeah! <laughs> that's, what, that's what confused me so many times. Yeah. I, uh, the, yeah, and the symbols for, like, I, like the pick one, whether it's, it's the, the navigate or the, 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 or the ritual ritual. Thank you. Yeah. That one where it's, it's just a left or a right. I'm like, what the fuck does this mean? Like it's complicated. And I, I don't, I don't want to grade it poorly because it's complicated, but it's oh, getting a bad grade. It's getting a one it a and a half for me. I gave it a I gave it a one and a half, and then I remembered how many times we used the term deep, the deep ones, they're in the deep. It just got really confusing really quick. Oh yeah. I, I didn't realize that the deep wasn't an actual location on the board until it is. It, it is. It is, but it isn't. Yeah. It's 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 physically on the board, but it's not a playable area. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, it's just the amount of times we said the word deep. I get it super creepy and mysterious. But we gotta find some synonyms. Yeah. Every time I thought of the boys. <laughs> the deep. <laughs> yeah, like something like the abyss. Yeah, that would yeah, be better. Literally. If calling That's it so the abyss cooler. and the deep ones come from the abyss would have solved so much of my confusion. We're like, ah, oh, yes, move the deep ones to the deep. It's like, what? What's happening? It, it rolls off the tongue a little better, too. The deep yeah. ones slam from the abyss. First, put the deep ones in the deep. <laughs> yeah. Put them where they go in the deep. <laughs> we I just kept giving them names like fish people instead to be less yeah. confusing. The fish Frog folks. people, fish people. The monsters. Yep. That's the derogatory term, Ian. Uh, yeah, I'm that's, so sorry. That's fucked up. Speaking of inclusivity, it looks like Ian gets a one. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so, comprehension. How well did we understand this? So I I I gave it a one. So I gave the inclusivity a two because um I was thinking of it more like um because it comes in a bunch of languages. Did we say that? I can't remember if we said that. Uh, we didn't say that, but you're right. It comes it, in twelve languages. It comes oh. in a thousand languages. Everyone on Earth, um, twelve. Uh, <laughs> and but um, so that I gave in inclusivity a two for that, and then I gave comprehension a one for the reasons we were talking about, like the um, like the symbols and the other stuff. I so I found that more to be. An inclusivity or a uh, comprehension problem rather than the inclusivity thing, but I'm also not colorblind or dyslexic, so <laughs> I don't really like to stand on. I mean, I I'll be honest. The the next three inclusivity, comprehension, and then uh, availability. Just because I I needed to find a place to put a half point, I, I've kind of all grouped these together for this game. Well, you gave you gave them the same score. Like grouped them together <laughs> in my greeting. Yeah, I, I gave it a, a two for comprehension. It's not the most complicated game I've ever played. Once you get us into the swing of things, because I 
after playing the game once with Larry uh, describing how things work to me, I was able, to, I think, to more or less give an overview on the game, and I was able to understand it without too much fuss through reading the rules. It it's not as much that it's, I mean, that I it is overly complicated uh, in, in in certain aspects, uh, but I'd say it's more clunky than complex. It is it just my take on it? The the moving parts don't move well together, but they make sense for what they are. Like the the different dials for the sanity. If once they hit zero, you're done. You have six parts on the ship. You rescue passengers. The actions aren't overly drawn out unless you get the the three deep ones card in the row, like what screwed us at the end. But it definitely has parts where it could improve. That is for sure. I, I don't think it was necessarily a, a problem with understanding the rules. It was more about seeing how the different gameplay mechanics interlocked. And there was there were definitely times where there was no clear solutions to problems. There was no real path forward for us. It was just kind of like, I, like I said in the beginning, we kind of started out in a very bad position and it kind of got worse from there. I feel like if I, I feel like I played the game wrong, if I'm being completely honest, like I know you're not supposed to win every time in this kind of game, but it it does feel like we we, we started out on the wrong foot from the beginning and we kind of just tumbled all the way down from there. And I don't think a game should be, leave me feeling like what did I do wrong rather than like, how can I play better next time? I think it had a lot to do with our strategy, though, being that we were so new. There. Like, I think if we had done it again, it wouldn't have felt that way. But you're right. that Someone might not pick up the game again if they couldn't get it very well the first time. That being said, I gave it a two because of uh, my rule with cheat sheets. This one did have cheat sheets, which is amazing for both inclusivity and for comprehension. It didn't have one. It had two cheat sheets. Two double-sided cheat sheets. Okay. Yeah. I told Ian this, and I am going to be going to his house to measure the cards, but I am going to try and make a little passport book that has both the cheat sheets in one envelope. That way you get the trader card and the normal one, because the one thing I didn't like... You know, I'm going to save it for materials. There's a couple things in materials I have to say. This is one of them. Okay. I'm not going to. If I do make it, though, I'll drop it in the Discord for everyone. I'm I'm sure we'll cover it again in in materials. Yep. All right. uh, Anything else on comprehension? I I, I don't know. I think I think I I said my piece. Yeah, I'm covered. All right. So going into availability then. Uh, so you can really only get this online, or if you're lucky, you can find it in a game store. I don't think it's something they necessarily keep in stock uh, at all stores. It's not something that people necessarily go in asking for. But you can get it on their main site. It's still available. There are no expansions or anything to worry about uh, to, to collect. You can get it on Amazon. You can get it uh, on uh, various board game like retail sites. But I, I gave it a two. I think being able to uh, acquire something online is better than some of the games that I le- I like or I played that you just can't get anymore, period. Like, uh, 
I think Titan is one that's pretty expensive because it's an old game that because it's old, you can't really get it anymore. This just came out in 2021. So even though it's not as popular, it's still out there. Yeah. Yeah. But you're not getting it off the shelf at Target. No. This to me is more of an indie game. So I gave it a two and a half. It's available on Amazon. It's available on sites. And I'm sure there's some game shops that specialize in this type of game that have it on stock because it's 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 still in print. It's still you can still get it. I do want to throw out that it's it's twenty dollars more on Fantasy Flight's website, correct? It is, yeah. and I can't tell you why. I so that's usually an indicator to me that the game was originally at that price, and vendors online are selling at a lower price to get rid of their inventory. So with that knowledge, oh. I gave it a one and a half because I feel like it's available now, but it may very soon become only available at uh, like third party resellers or at Fantasy Flight directly. You won't get it from a larger online like Amazon. Yeah, see, I took that as um, they might have have a wholesale price versus their suggested retail value. And they're putting out the retail value and not necessarily how a seller would adjust for wholesale. Because there's a whole equation for that. Which is which is true. I've never thought about it like that. But usually you'd go directly to Fantasy Flight and contact them with wholesale information. And Amazon is not really known for giving you a deal on wholesale. It's usually you're paying true. more. This is true. That's, that's just me. All right. Uh, I think we can move on from availability. It's usually one of our, our shorter segments. Yeah. Uh, two materials. Uh, Brooke, I'll let you take over on this one. <laughs> yeah, I, I tend to, I tend to steal it. Um, box was good. I'm gonna let Will talk about the minis. But back to that passport idea. Um, the big issue I have with the materials. There's a lot of materials. There's a lot of things that can get lost. There's no box, like organization outside of some protection for the minis. But the fact that it doesn't have enough trader cards as cheat sheets so you have to like if you want to know what a trader does um you have to somehow make a reason for you to take that trader card out of the box with people seeing you do that which isn't very strategic um and i was having issues with that because i'd love to know what would happen if i revealed myself as a trader but i i couldn't even think about that because it would just give me a way to even look at that card I, um, I real quick on the cheat sheets on the bottom uh, right corner, there is a, a section about how to reveal as a trader. Yeah, but you don't know what you get to do if you reveal that. Absolutely, that was on the yeah. other card. So they tell you how to reveal as a trader, and then you just you get to see if it's actually worth it for you or not in that moment. Uh, I did want to highlight from a couple Etsy shops. If you are looking for box organization. There's a nice one that's wood from Gamer Tamer inserts for 73 bucks. And there's also a 3D printable version that's very nice from Printable by Karen for 60. But these are one of the more expensive game inserts that I've found for any of our games. Yeah, you showed me some of the uh, the pictures of the the inserts from uh, Etsy. They look really nice. Yeah, I don't <laughs> I don't shout out anyone that I don't think is actually giving you like a decent quality for the price so will what do you think about the minis oh possibly the best part of the game um i the the minis were surprisingly high quality 
very firm, like, uh, what's the word? Um, not PVC, but like, like resin. A, yeah, it's like a high quality resin cast. Uh, the details on them were surprisingly crisp. Normally, when you get those, you know, minis in like a big box, especially at the price point of like $60, uh, I, I think between that and uh, what was that other game? Stuff Fables. Those two yeah. are probably the best minis that I have seen come out of a, a like a board game box. Um, incredibly impressive. And no visible flashing. So if you wanted to paint them, you wouldn't have to sit there with an exacto and like try and shave it down. Well, not just that. The the, the minis themselves are are so intricately detailed that you they hide the mold lines really nicely. Oh yeah, that's what I'm saying. There's nothing for you to like have to chip at to make it seem okay. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. I'm sorry, I, I missed. Oh no, it's okay. We were saying the same thing. I was using art words, and you were using like normal game words. I, I gave it a three for materials. Uh, between all the things, like the spinners on the, the board worked fairly well. They weren't like loose. They they stayed in place unless you purposely moved them. Uh, the board uh, had nice art and everything on it. It seemed... I liked it. I Yeah, the, the board was very visually <clears throat> the interesting. arts on the cards were good. They had uh, whole stories for your characters on the backs of their, their character cards. A lot of detail went into it, uh, and in this aspect, I think it is one of the the. It's a good setup for materials and for the price, even though it's a sixty to eighty. Yeah, it's just a lot. Just know that you're going to open the box and go, "Oh my god, how do I do this?" Absolutely, yeah, that is fair. Yeah, it's 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 a little daunting when you first see all of the stuff. Yeah, like all the cards, all the colors, all the figures, all the everything <laughs> especially because the cards just come in baggies which i know will split open after like three uses one of them already started to when we uh were playing yeah Uh-oh. that's because then oh. the cards are just going to be loose it was already like that i didn't break it don't don't tell larry larry actually listens to this or not. yeah yeah this this is how we'll know but yeah, it's uh, it's done by Fantasy Flight, who are the same people who did uh, Cosmic Encounter, the, the ships that we always talk about. Yeah, high quality minis, right there. Yeah, they're very good at minis. They also do the uh, the X Wing Squadron stuff. Oh yeah, that's those are really cool games. Yeah, they they've definitely like specced hard into their mini game. Yeah, they have. All right, uh, you want to move into gameplay now? Yeah, are we all set for materials? I think yeah, I, I think, think I'm so. good. Yeah, they're just uh, tiny. <laughs> I'm curious on what scores were for everyone. I think we we didn't actually cover scores. Oh, oh, uh, I gave it a two, uh, just because of the box organization is always a bit of a sticking point for me, and just the sheer amount of things needs a decent amount of organization. I gave it a one because of how small the cards were, and they're they're already kind of peeling. And that's what you use most of the time. Sure. I'm a sucker for minis, so I gave it a three for the minis alone. Well, that, that's that's not fair. I gave it a minis <laughs> as well as the, the functionality of the board. Yeah, the and board was really good. I will the, say that. The board was very nicely detailed. All of the art for the like the fact cards were were pretty cool as well. I liked the little breakdown of the, the ship. And and that it looks cool. It looks like a ship diagram. It 
it helped set the theme very nicely. Mm -hmm. If nothing else, it's very thematic. So yeah, in going into gameplay, uh, setup is a nightmare. Um, Horrible. There's like like you said, not only is it it's exacerbated by the fact that a lot there's only like five bags, and there are six, seven types of small, eight, nine, ten types of small cards because you have the skills, you have the treachery deck, you have the waypoints, you have the items, you have the character traits, all packed into one bag to get the spell book, all packed into one deck together or one bag together. Uh, and the same thing for the larger cards too, which are the character cards, the loyalty cards, the uh, the item cards. Don't forget the lore uh, cards. The lore oh, cards. Yeah. Or lore, yeah. Or mythos, that's what yeah. it was. Oh, mythos sorry, cards. Mythos. I'm just going to read melts together. Yeah. I'm just going to read my notes straight off the paper. Uh setup sucked and takedown was even worse. Took forever. It I didn't give it any points. I think this is the first time I did not even give a half of a point. It it's got nothing on setup. I felt bad that it wouldn't get any points, so I gave it one point because I mean at least we were able to set it up. But oh my god, what was set up? What For me, that would be this would be a deterrent to play. Like I would not open this box unless Ian or Larry would let me be like game board princess and just sit in the corner while they set it up. Because it's just I know I'd mess it up somehow. I I will be completely honest. When Ian first started setting this up, I was I actually was getting anxious about how many pieces there were. It's it's like mousetrap, but <laughs> but worse somehow. <laughs> at least, at least at the end of Mousetrap, you get to knock the whole thing down and see how well it works. <laughs> this is just fifty-two pickup. <laughs> Can you imagine if you had like an angry person that flips boards with this game? I, I don't think they would be invited to this game. <laughs> yeah, no. If you if you have a friend that flips boards when they get upset, like yeah, keep that friend around, help them work through their stuff. But this is not the game to play with them. It is not. I'm still no. looking at the pawn, Ian. That's, uh, that, what, what, what is that? Flip, flip board is like eight hours of reset up? <laughs> <laughs> it's just eight hours to get it back in the box, I'm pretty sure. Not even to reset it up, just to fix it. Plus, those minis are durable, but I would not want to test how durable they are. I don't know. No. They're, they're, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say with pretty decent confidence that they are more durable than 40k minis at a like, Games Workshop. They, that doesn't mean they, much. The quality's kind of dropped off. It definitely has, and they, they, I mean, yes and no. So they're, they're in between switching back to metal from what I've gathered, which is kind of cool, but like also lead poisoning. Uh, Yay. Yeah. Just don't lick your 40k minis. I will lick whatever mini I want to lick. Thank you very much. I don't have any metal. Look, as an artist that constantly use cadmiums, what's a little lead? Yeah. My brain's not getting any smarter anyway. Yeah, me neither. Well, you still got time. No. Beast has exactly one year and six months. That's. I don't think that's true. No, the the frontal cortex doesn't fully go until I think like twenty six or twenty seven. One year and six months. I have. I've one year and six months. Okay, one year and six months. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there it is. You heard it here first. <laughs> you're you're twenty four, right, Ace? Nope. Oh, we talked about oh, this right. literally when we played the game. Yep, that's right. You're 22. 
Just like the fortune teller woman said. (laughs) (laughs) You're right, not one year in six months. (laughs) It wouldn't even Uh, be six months. My birthday's next week. (laughs) Wow, I'm dropping the ball everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) The ball is actually splattered on the floor. You threw the ball, turned out to be an egg, just shattered everywhere. Oh. Any other notes on on setup? It was a I lot. Hated it. it was so much. Yeah, it was a lot. Even... It's hard to explain. The game the game is hard is difficult to explain, and I know that's not like like a the end all be all of of games because a lot of them are like, are like oh you'll get it once you like go through a round like even like Catan's like that Catan's good, but um, it the explanation in this wh- while doing the setup feels like the worst way to do this. And that's what yeah. we kind of tried, and it didn't work out. So This is the only time that I miss like live-streaming it just to show people how terrible it was. It was one of the reasons I was really hoping Larry would make it for the game, because I was hoping he might have better tips on setup and everything. Yeah. I yeah. felt like he, he got it done pretty quick, but as I, as I like think back on it, I think it took him about the same amount of time, honestly, to get everything set up and then go through the rules and all that, which are extensive. Going through the rules, I think, is another part of this that we didn't, we haven't touched on yet for setup. But if you have new players, there's a lot to cover. Oh, yeah. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't be comfortable telling someone to play this without having someone who's played it before. Yeah, and even when you've played it before, there, there are, like, rules that you either forget about or through like word of mouth. Like I was talking with Larry after um, we, we finished the game talking about how, when the monsters spawn, uh, when the, sorry, when mother Hydra spawns, I, I don't want to use a derogatory term for the, the deep ones. Uh, <laughs> they start at the front of the ship from the point that you rolled, but Larry had been playing it where they start where you rolled because the areas are all numbered, but they're separated on different sides of the ship. Uh, so it's actually supposed to be quite a bit harder than he was playing with it, but he learned it from someone else who learned it from someone else, and it kind of created a, a culture of this is how the rules work because no one really had to go in and check it because they didn't challenge anyone on it. Classic D&D rules. Yeah, <laughs> a little bit. Like, that's how I learned 4th edition. And so even if you, you've been experienced in the game and you're teaching it to someone else, you might be teaching them wrong. That's that's one of the reasons I look through the the rule book when I when I when I cover a game just so that I make sure I'm I'm on the same page. And even then, they they did have a diagram for like first play setup, and they have they have recommendations for first players, uh, first time players, which is nice. I, I won't I won't discourage that, but it's it's still so much. It was. Just know you're going to have to put a lot into it. Yeah. yeah. So that all being said, yeah. Oh, sorry. That all being so, if you don't know, we're currently recording from different areas because of snow. We were trying to ignore it, but there's no way for us to like. Normally, we can look at each other and see when one starts talking, but we're currently all in different locations without any ability to see. Yeah. I can only edit so much. Have fun. Oh, yeah, I know. You're going to have a blast, buddy. 
Uh, I wanted to start going into rate of play. Yeah. Uh, uh, no. No? No. No rate of play? No rate of play. Eh, it wasn't that bad. What'd you give it for rate of play? One and a half? One and a half? One and a half. Really? I gave it a three. I was never bored. There was no what? moment I was like, I would like to stop now. Or I would like to talk to somebody. Which is hard, because I am chatty. Bored was definitely not the problem. Overwhelmed was the problem for me. It was every turn with the Mythos card, and it, it like... I would expect the Mythos to be pulled at the end of all four of our turns. And, and it makes the game... I, uh, uh, Although this game was already two hours long with us pulling the Mythos card at the end of each one of our turns. Uh, I, I feel like that would make it way too long. But the Mythos cards just basically, it, it, you could plan something out for your turn, or not even your turn, but basically kind of try and figure out what's going to happen the next turn. And then you pull a Mythos card and you'd have to fish people all of a sudden, destroy half of your ship. And there's just like, well, there goes all of my plans. And now we have no food or we have no fuel or or it's it's just it was a lot. And I, I, I feel like that was kind of the point of the game is to constantly keep the pressure on and keep like things moving in that way. But it would have been nice to get at least one positive mythos card in there somewhere in the line. So. I like to think that the rate of play was easier because me and Ian were passing out a lot of the cards during what would have been downtime. We were trying to stay on top of like everyone getting their skill cards so it would like run smoother. And if you don't have someone doing that, it's going to be more difficult. So I give it a one. That's fair. I think that everyone likes being banker, though. So... I feel like someone would take that up anyway. That's because banker cheats. Right, I don't I didn't cheat all that much that you know of. <laughs> yeah. You wouldn't figure it out. He was the banker. You can't prove it. It's, I got it's the like IRS. works. <laughs> I have the IRS on my side. I don't know. I um I gave it a three for ready to play. Uh I think it definitely depends on your play style and what you're used to in games. Uh for me, the reason I stayed so engaged was I'm constantly looking for some reason to believe that one of my crewmates is working against me and trying to find uh, ways to solve the problems that occur each turn. Because every turn, something usually goes wrong. And while that can be distressing, it also means there's always something to do. <laughs> you, what you want to do might change by the time it comes all the way around to you again, but you have something to do. Yeah. And you're always playing cards, even on other people's turns. I, I, I felt engaged. And even without, uh, if we were to slow down handing out the cards, people still talk. And that's one of the, the things I like about the social engagement games is that, like, even the conversation we have, someone could let something slip that suddenly sounds real friggin' suspicious. More than once, our idle conversation had Ace or Will or Brooke believing that I was the one who was the traitor. Because you were. But I was well, you 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 slipped. That's because you're always card. a traitor. I I do make a good traitor. I won't lie, but he's got it going for him. Yeah, it's the grin. It is. It yeah. is the grin. You do that at work it all the time, and and I still think that you're messing with me. <laughs> I want that vape back. <laughs> but for someone who may not be always looking for an angle or looking to 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 
try to grab at victory or anything like that, this might come across as kind of boring. And you might just feel like you're going through the motions to get it over with. And I get that, too. Yeah, that's that's kind of where I landed. So yeah, I, I really do think that's very up to very much up to personal preference on your how you play games and, and what you think of, of this particular game. But and it sounds like we had a lot of variation because we got well, a one and a half, a one, and two threes. So Yeah. I think this might be our most divisive game outside of um Spyfall. Mm-hmm. God, I'm glad I didn't play that game. Yeah, I'm glad I, I don't know what that is. You you played with us and Max, didn't you? I didn't play it. Oh, you were just recording. Uh, this was before Will had a spot to play. Yeah, we, we, I think I we did it with Chris. Uh, you did do it, with Chris. Yeah. Will was just sound guy back then. Look how far you've come. I know. I actually <laughs> get to play the games now. I don't just get to sit there and watch you guys play. <laughs> I still want to play Strawberry Fields. I really wanted to play that game. I'll bring it over. I saw Sounds it. like a Twitch stream. Yeah, 100%. Will gets to play the games that he only got to watch you guys play. <laughs> uh, everyone good on ready to play? Yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah, I'm good. Uh, price, then. Um, so, as we talked about before, this is uh, $79.99 on Fantasy Flight's uh, main site. Uh uh, from other retailers, you can get it uh, starting at sixty, uh, going up to like sixty-five. As I saw it like seventy. I didn't see. Very, I saw one that was eighty-five from a retailer, but I, I think that's kind of outside the norm. Yeah. For the most part, it's it's in the range of sixty to eighty. I think is a fair uh, judgment on that, which I don't see all that much wrong with. I know, like for people who are not into like board game culture. $80 is a lot to drop on a board game. Like, I get that. But I also have $80 board games. <laughs> Cosmic Encounter was $60. I, it's, it's not uncommon to drop a lot more money than that on board games. I gave it a 2. I felt like it, it's not great, and I realize that my own bias is kind of affecting that, but it's not bad. Well, I'm usually... I'm usually a stickler with this, and I gave it a two as well, because it, it did give you a lot of materials. It's not like you opened up the box and went, where did my money go? There was clearly, you clearly saw where the money went. It went into the writing, and it went into the board and the minutes. Yeah. I, I, so just as kind of my, my baseline with this, I, so Stuff Fables, which minis are very similar, which we've already established. Uh, the the writing and the sort of setting is also relatively similar speaking. I think that was around about the same price. I gave it a two before I get too ahead of myself. Um, but I, I think with the minis and the, the quality of the game board and some of the unique features, I think that 65 to 80 is, is pretty fair. Um, I, I know the minis alone would probably fetch like $45, $50. Um, so for having well-written character backstories on top of that, I think it's a, it's a fair price. Mm -hmm. I, I don't really know the price of board games. I gave it two, uh, because I thought of it in video game terms and $60 is a triple A board or triple A video game price. Yeah. Well, it's 70 now. Yeah. They're, that's going up. And then what was it that guy uh, from 
Ubisoft said, uh, get ready stars. to not own your own games. He, he was, did say that. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, that's already something that's that's happening now. Uh, the developers for Grand Theft Auto want to make it basically a, a pay by hour. They're they're trying to bring oh. us back to uh, the eighties. Yeah. You get on the internet and you you pay per minute. Got to put another quarter in. Yeah. God, I'm glad I like retro video games. Yeah, I'll probably be playing a lot less video games. I mean, subscription fees are one thing for games that are constantly updating, like. Uh, Fortnite. I won't. I won't be afraid to say I play Fortnite occasionally. Uh, but occasionally. Like, I mean, not too much. I'm not. I'm not Larry. But. Uh, but uh, I, I. I could. This is all off topic. I know, but I could not see myself playing paying by hour for a game. Like, no way. If I really no. like a game, I end up putting like 300 hours into that thing, like I did for Mountain Blade. I. I could not imagine having to pay so much money for that. Well, so the one thing I will say uh, that video games are not at their all time high. First of all, we need to we do need to remember that. So like it, early video games were like at like 120, I think was the highest they were at, but 160. This was in the 80s. So that translates to several hundred dollars today. Um, but more importantly, Like, I think the reason people are so upset with stuff like Grand Theft Auto being, like, pay by hour is because they're marketing it as an online game. They know people are not going to play it for story. They've already given... Rockstar is a company that was known for their high-quality story. This is so off-topic. I'm sorry. Um, We're just going to cut this all out. (laughs) No, no. No. We'll keep it in. I I will say... One of the reasons I think Rockstar wants to do this whole pay-by-hour thing is because they're not going to release another game for ten years. This is this is true. They'll release Red Dead Redemption Three in in twenty thirty five, and that will be that will be it. Yeah. Now, to bring this back to us, though, do you think that this increase will have an effect on the board game community, where we see an influx of people trying to get that storyline fixed at not a hundred dollars, two hundred dollars, whatever it'll end up being. I've I've definitely noticed that in in recent times with the popularity of D D entering the mainstream, people are realizing that I don't have to go out and mod Skyrim to to oblivion. Uh, um <laughs> to get the story that I want out of it. I, I can just go and get a couple of my friends and we can go and create our story set in this universe if we are so inclined. Like, Lord knows that's how my, my brother and and uh, what's-his-face got into it. Sean. Um, I, 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 was, I, I think that if for things like TTRPGs, it might go up a bit over time, uh, especially larger companies like Wizards are always going to, to charge as much as their fan base will allow them to before they all for blood but for board games i mean these these aren't like with video games at least you have massive amounts of teams working on graphic design uh voice acting uh narrative storyboarding uh for board games you don't have to pay quite as many people Um, yeah i didn't even mean in the sense of cost i more meant in the sense of like the community growing like do you think there's going to be a resurgence in those board game nights that like we had as kids Oh, I definitely. Absolutely. 
Our jobs depend on it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Any final notes on uh, the price? No. Not really. All right. Uh, then I think that brings us to extras. You're all gonna hate me. Am I? I gave it a three. I gave it a two. So I gave it a three. Okay, because like I don't want anything else. This game did not make me go. Ah, this would be great with expansions or more characters. No, this is good enough. I'm glad they put it in different languages, but they can stop. They can stop. I... No more languages. <laughs> Twelve is enough. <laughs> language is fine but like don't add anything else to this poor box it won't so, close the one thing that I, I want to bring up that, that's different than a lot of games that we cover for the extras um, while this game doesn't have expansions I've been led to believe that this is part of an extended universe correct? it is which I think is a, a kind of a neater concept for these sort of one off kind of board games where there's no real logical way to add an expansion to it is to tie it into an extended universe. And now I can go out and I can buy, maybe not the sequel to this game, but something else that exists in the same universe. I'm already familiar with kind of the basic plot. Um, and I can kind of keep it going from there. So there's there's a few things I wanted to cover on that. Um, so the, the extended universe, we'll call it the Cthulhu universe, the CU. <laughs> <laughs> to see you, okay. Yeah, Cthulhu Extended Universe. Yeah, uh, they they it's the Fantasy Flights Arkham Horror Files is what they're called. Um, the it's a bunch of novels and short stories and board games. Uh, they have it starts with the Arkham Horror. Uh, they have a card game for Arkham Horror, Elder Signs, Eldritch Horror, and Mansions of Badness, which we either did cover or almost covered on the podcast. I don't remember which. I don't think we've covered it yet. We, no, we did Mansion of Madness. Uh, did we, we did Betrayal. Oh, no, we did Betrayal. We, did betrayal. We, we wanted to do Mansions of Madness, and we couldn't get a copy, so we, we did Betrayal instead. Yeah. I'm sure we will get to it eventually. Yeah, I was right yeah. there with you. I, I, right <laughs> in the background. <laughs> Fly on the wall. Yeah. And the people who originally released the uh, the first the Arkham Horror board game uh, was Chaosium in uh, eighty seven, and that is the same people who do Call of Cthulhu. Mm-hmm. So it has it has its own little family of of Eldritch Horror in there. I'm happy to see that they're a big family. The the one thing I, I wanted to uh, mention as far as the extras though, like for my score that affected it, is it does have some. Uh, ability to customize the game from play to play so it doesn't necessarily have expansions but you do have the cultists which we didn't play with through our playthrough but it's a, a third loyalty card option where you don't want the boat to sink or or die until the very last turn uh that's that's the the goal of the cultist and you have all the character cards which you can add or subtract from a game depending upon which abilities you might want to have or how new a player is so there are ways to customize it and and play something that feels like a slightly different game each time. The, the cultists would be taking one of the roles from the innocents, in this case, the humans. So in theory, you'd have two tra- two hybrid traders, and then one cultist who might come out at the last minute and stab everyone in the back. Someone you think is on your side until 
Yeah, until, until right at the victory. Wild card. Exactly. <laughs> that was the reason I gave it a three. Uh, on top of the fact, like Brooke said, it doesn't really need an expansion. There's there's quite enough here as it is. Yeah, this is the example of you can still get a three by not giving extra things. I gave it a one because I didn't understand <laughs> this ranking part. So I will give it a three. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, there's a little definition next to extra. Yeah, but I didn't get it. And you spelled okay. opportunities wrong. Um, way to call me out, man. Sorry. <laughs> Do you not upload these? Are these not part no. of it? Oh, you spelled opportunities the best I've ever seen, actually. It's so I correct. To, with, with being dyslexic, I have to like type it out phonetically, and sometimes spell check does not catch it. Yeah, especially on like InDesign and those things. I don't think they have necessarily spell check. Yeah. No. I, I, <laughs> no. <laughs> no. No. I remember when we were making it. I don't. Uh, we didn't have the spell check option open because we had to redo all the the rubrics about a year ago, year and a half ago now. A less yeah. It was, it was. It was pretty early on when we decided to split into the board game and, and tabletop game. Uh, rubrics. Oh, you're right. That's right. That was the first redraft, not the second redraft. Yeah. So yeah, 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 yeah. So like, I think it was like almost six months in we did that. That was that was very early on. Yeah. We did it at your house. I you do a lot of things at my house. <laughs> that's, that's true. All right. So were we all set on uh, extras? I think so. Yeah. I I say so. Does that move us on to personal? Yeah, it does. Ace, cool. did you enjoy the game? Oh, I, I think I did. <laughs> so this 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 grading system has gotten me all confused, and I, I I gave it a pretty low score. I think the lowest I've ever given a score based on three examples. Um, but I I mean I liked it. It was fun. But I I like hanging out and I like trader games, so that always bumps it up. I just like lying to people, especially people that I know. <laughs> um, and I'll do that in my day-to-day -day life but I, what I really like about Trader Games is that uh, people can't get mad at me people usually get mad at me when I do it in real life but in a board game where I'm specifically allowed you give me like the, the send-off I love to lie <laughs> it's great so I gave it two there's a reason I, I invite it. you to these games yeah <laughs> I gave it a three. I hate this genre. Love this game. I gave it a two. It was a pleasant game. It wasn't horrible. It wasn't the best. I, I gave it a three. Uh, I'm, I'm sure that's also no surprise. I also love being able to, to kind of lie and, and kind of detect people who are lying between in, in an area with no real consequences for that kind of behavior. It's nice. It's refreshing and uh, gets the blood pumping a little bit. But I, I, I do like hidden roll games. I love the narrative on it. I enjoy the, the setting. Uh, every one of the mythos cars didn't just have awful things that happened. They also had a little biography on each thing and, and how it came to be. Um, it tells a story as you go, I think. And yeah. I, I really appreciate that. So I gave it a three. For all, for all the other lower scores I might have given, I, I feel like this is 
the one that if I could give it a four, I would. I I really had a lot of fun. So would you recommend it though? You had fun. I had fun. I only gave it a two for recommendation. And I think that's being generous. <laughs> yeah, I gave it a two too, just because of the time commitment and like it's the setup is just a nightmare. Yeah. I gave it a one and a half because I can recommend this game confidently to one type of person. That is Ian Race. <laughs> okay. Well <laughs> all right. She's so I mean, not wrong though. I mean, so I, I gave it a one for recommendation because I would recommend it to people who played it before. It's like, oh, you want to open up Unfathomable? Yeah, I've done that. I know what I'm doing. That's what I who I'd recommend it for. Um, the entry barrier is a lot for me, so I, I, I didn't give it high on the recommendation scale. My recommendation would definitely come with warnings, though. Like, even at a two, I would definitely go, like, if you have no time and you're really good at reading a lot, then yes. <laughs> yeah, it, it's... I, I was kind of on the same boat. I would not recommend this to everyone. I feel like unless you have already played it or you're familiar with some more complicated games like uh, Twilight Imperium or... Uh, what's another example? Betrayal? Uh, Scythe. Scythe. Yeah. Uh, someone like that would definitely get a kick out of this. Someone who's foray into complicated board games ends at Settlers of Catan will probably not enjoy getting this and opening it and playing it for the first time. And saying, you know, it takes how many hours? It's It's not a first time board game thing and not a young person board game thing either. Like, what would you? What was the recommended age on the box? Does anyone know offhand? Twelve plus, I think. Uh, recommendation is for ages fourteen and up. Fourteen. Plus. Uh, okay. The board game geek community said twelve and up. I cannot imagine a twelve-year-old playing this game, but okay. I cannot yeah. imagine a fourteen-year-old playing this game. Fourteen, <sighs> fourteen pushing it. Yeah. It, it'd be a very specific type of fourteen-year-old that goes, "Ah, oh, yes, two-hour games." Two hour at minimum. I, the playtime on this uh, is set from uh, 120 to 240 minutes. And our game, if you don't, if you don't, if you'll recall, ended when we were a little over halfway to the end. Yeah. So in a full game, it could go a whole lot longer. Oh god! Yeah. Six hours, baby. The one that yeah, I, I it, play tested with Ace went from like seven to midnight. Yeah, I, I got home at like one. So I remember was, you texted me that night, and I was like, "Oh god!" <laughs> like twelve fifty, and Ian's got to open in the morning, and the humans still didn't win. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Another round of, oh, things are going bad. Oh, things are going worse. <laughs> to be fair, it was it was me and, and TJ who, if, if you were to pick someone to play as a, as a, a traitor in a hidden role game uh, and you want them to win, TJ is, is the person to pick. Is your guy? Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't say that in a mean way. I find it admirable. <laughs> <laughs> just to clarify, just you know. Yeah, just 
put it out there. <laughs> but yeah, it, it that certainly did the uh, the humans no favors. No, it did not. No, it does. All right, uh, we'll roll right into replay value then. Uh, I gave this a three for replay value. I played it twice in a week, and I'd play it again if I had the time for it. I gave it a three as well for similar reasons, except having played it already. Give it a two. It's definitely a game worth replaying, but I don't know if I would enjoy the game replaying it, but I do see the value in replaying it. So I'm going to give it a one and a half. Um, <laughs> um, because the thing says, how often would you take it off the shelf? Um, I, with the time commitment and, like, having to have, like, a certain group of people, I feel like I wouldn't do it that often if I owned it. But it, but it is fun, and, and I, and, yeah, two, two in one week, and I, I had a good time both times. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I will say, like, I, as I would definitely take it off the shelf frequently for a board game of its magnitude. I, I should clarify. It's not the kind of thing you can do three times a week because it can take four hours and no one has that kind of time. None and if you do, week. God bless you. I I wish. <laughs> Can't all be retired, Ian. Uh, or independently or, wealthy. Don't forget that option. Or college students. Well, okay. I don't think they have the time. I think they just make the time. They, they procrastinate the time. The time. They, they procrastinate the time. Management. Correct. Fair enough. And they don't sleep. We like to sleep now. I do like sleep. Sleep is so good. I don't know. I'm not lame yet, so. I'll stay awake forever. Give it a couple years and you'll be buying specific things to make your bed even comfier. Yep. Give it like five. Five years. I got seven Not hours even. of sleep last night instead of eight. My body hates me because of it. God damn it, Will. <laughs> Will you stop dropping things? No. No, I won't. My job. Uh, Shall yeah, we drop I... right into, uh, into our sliding scales? Oh, yeah. Yeah. See what I did there? Slid it yeah. right in. Slid it right in. <laughs> Smooth transition. So, uh, classic, I, innovative? I gave it an innovative, too. Um, I haven't played anything like this, but at the same time, it does come with some familiar concepts. Yeah, that I gave it the same score for basically the same reasons. I liked the things that it did differently, but it kept things new while still kind of remaining the same and i'm i'm still definitely like a little green when it comes to a lot of these board games but i'm starting to pick up on tropes and trends yeah for me it definitely felt like a dmless board game like when they try and give you a campaign without having to have a dm there to be there so yeah it does kind of have that vibe Mm -hmm. That's why I said, like, there's some things, like, a lot of the mechanics are the same as in those DM-less TGRPGs. I put it down the middle for classic innovative. 
So a zero. Yeah, it worked out to a zero, but I meant it as a compliment. So, like, would you say that it, it's, it's uh, good or 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 bad? Yeah, so, it, it good in that way, right? If you were to try to um, assign, it's not important. <laughs> but, like, no, well, because like I would put it on both. <laughs> It's got okay. classic. It's got classic trader game elements that I think it does mm -hmm. pretty good, um, and I think it innovates on trader game elements in a good way. But I think it's still like the classic thing with like a unique twist. But I wouldn't call that innovative. I would call it just a just a thing because it's not big enough to be innovative. It's not small enough to not be counted. So I'd put it at like I don't know a, a two and a half both ways a two both ways. Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> like I liked it. the 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 problem is I liked it, but the way I'm having a problem. <laughs> I have problems with scales. I've always had problems with scales. He's uh, five on the sliding scale. Somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, 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 I'm having I'm having issues. Um, so, so I gave it. It makes sense. Thank you. I gave it a zero because I liked it. <laughs> God, story. Like a value, you would say like a two for how it had performed as an example of a game that takes both elements. Yeah. So, yeah. Now, if you were to have to give it uh, coordinates on a uh, alignment <laughs> compass, oh my gosh, you're not making this a, a plot system. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Honestly, I'm gonna a graph. I'll be honest. I'll be honest. Will a compass might help me. Times. Will has brought up making like a a x y axis like three times. I'm not doing it. I think it's a great idea. I can use y equals mx plus b, and and that is the only time that that formula will ever be relevant. I'll be honest. For the amount of people we've had on that say it's kind of a bit of both, so it's a zero. I I don't hate the idea anymore. Oh God. Let this be Please Will's one good this. idea for the year. Yes, but I'm it. the one that has to put it on the thing. I'll make it. I'll learn how to, to do procreate. Oh, no, uh, no, no. Okay, I moving it, on. I gave it a few for innovative. Um, I think that it doesn't really... It, it's, it's new and fascinating in certain ways. In other ways, it's also taking a lot of the uh, elements... Uh, from the uh, Battlestar Galactica board game that Corey Kanichka also made, or at least worked on. Uh, but it also is kind of clunky. Um, I, I feel like it, some of the elements are not... They're new and they're interesting, but they're not fully thought out. I, I took like a point off for that. And then I'll probably go more into that when we hit the, the complex versus simple section, too. Mm -hmm. Are we heading to that one? We are. Yes. Okay, I gave a real score on this, guys. I gave it a two on the complex. <laughs> so. Same. I thought it was pretty complex. It is. It is. It's, it's complex, but I, I will make the, the differentiation that it's not complex entirely in a bad way it's it's definitely got some bad complexity to it but it's also got some kind of like minutiae to it that's maybe kind of good takes a while to master the game so to speak yeah absolutely 
I had given it a, a two in complex because overall the the mechanics are engaging. The story is fun, uh, but it they don't all work together quite right. It's like if you have an engine or one of the, the, the pistons isn't firing at the same speed as all the others, it's just kind of going off. It's clunky. It's knocking. Yeah, it's knocking. Mm-hmm. I agree. You gotta lower the compression a little, but you'll be fine. I think with it's it's rough around the edges, but overall, it's it's a good example of a game that's uh fairly complex. This ain't no Candyland. <laughs> How would it compare in the the like Candyland on one end, <laughs> like like Heat Death of the Universe on the other end? Are you asking me what's the most complex board game? Well, we we all know that that's that's Battle for North Africa. Yeah, I was gonna say, probably the one that no one's finished. Yeah. They've gotten close though. I mean, it would probably help if the game wasn't designed to be played out over the course of the length of World War Two. <laughs> like, I feel like if you shorten it down. Yeah. 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 Can uh, I like? Yeah. Can I redo my? Uh, things that I will not do because we're going to add that to the list of Star Wars and football and Shadowrun. I'm now adding whatever the game you just said was. Oh, we're never doing Battle for North. I Africa. would not. We would. Okay. I, I, I don't think you can do I'm just, I'm just adding that to my hard stop list. <laughs> do people? Do people do Shadowrun as a? Do you guys do TTRPGs? Oh, I guess yeah, I did a TTRPG once. Yeah. I did. I was there. <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry guys forgot <laughs> I will say by far this is the closest I've ever had to a 3 on complex I enjoyed this game's complexity so much but if they had just like streamlined it a little bit more with some of the language and some of the font type choices like this would have been a 3 in the best way for me but I couldn't <laughs> give it that going into our final scores then so I'm gonna get a calculator ready so that I don't have to. Uh... What What do I have to do? Get a calculator out so you can. I have a calculator. I am a calculator. All right, excellent. So I gave this a uh, 32 out of 42. What am I doing with the calculator? Hold on, I'm doing it. We're gonna find okay. an average. Okay. That's fine. Brooke, what's your score? 28 and a half. All right, 28.5. Is that what that says? Mine is 26 and a half. And Ace, what is your number? I put it at like a... Uh, okay. Divide that by four for the lowest score we've ever got at 26 oh, no. and a quarter. Or three <laughs> quarters. That, I don't think that's our lowest. No, we've had lower. What, what's the lowest? Not by like much. Uh, I mean, Spyfall, Munchkin... You give yeah. Munchkin bad? Munchkin's lowest got funny guys. Average. Not just you know, lowest score, lowest average score. Normally, I don't listen to podcasts. Like I think Munchkin was like a 23 average. Oh, I don't have really? time for podcasts. I talk to you white people already. I have to listen to your podcast now? <laughs> oh, God. Sorry. <laughs> I'm on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Get out of here. I will not be silent. He will not. 
Oh, I, I hit my computer. That, that definitely, that definitely is one of our lower scores for sure. Yeah, which is, you know, it's interesting considering how much we did like the game, but there was just a lot with it that could, like, there was a lot of problems. I don't think it scores well, but I think it's you know worth it. Yeah, if you're willing to look past like the the setup and the the intuitiveness of the game i think it's worth it the good thing about this game aside from the fact that it is basically among us the board game is none of the flaws are are so egregious that the game is unplayable and yeah. all of the the flaws can be played around but when you write them down on a piece of paper they do just look a little daunting yeah mm. I mean, this is when you grade anything, you know, you, you, it really points out all of the obvious flaws. Once you're playing the game, I, I'm just going to say this real quick. Like our grading sheets really are very just subjective to us. It's, mm-hmm. it's not, it's not a great way to grade the game because it's always just subjective opinions on everything. It's, it's less like, is it a good or a bad game? And more like, do we like the game? It's good to assign it a value. But at the end of the day, these are just here so that we can talk about each thing. Yeah, it, it, they're all yeah. arbitrary values. Ace gave it a five on the sliding scale. <laughs> I did. I did do that. <laughs> and I, I haven't been adding his up, but he also just said give it a 20. So, I, Yeah, I did. I, I changed. It says 18. That's wrong. Numbers are made up. <laughs> Numbers are wrong. Yeah. Yeah, we try and be as like impartial as we can be by having all of these specific points. But that's also why we always have guests and we always have multiple people. It's not just two people in a room. There's usually four, sometimes five people in a room all talking about one game because everyone's opinions are different and that's the best part of the community. Sure. You're right. I hate boats. If if this <laughs> if this game didn't set, take place on a boat, I think I'd like it more. And that's my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for joining us for another great episode. Before I go, I wanted to announce that we'll be getting more active on our Twitch channel. So go and follow us at twitch.tv slash withbards. We're making plans to start streaming video games like Minecraft and Valheim, along with other things like snack reviews and mini painting. You can get in touch with us at dancingwiththebards at gmail.com or follow us on Blue Sky at dancewithbards at bluesky.social. Uh, we're also available on Mastodon at bards at crater.gg or you can find us on Facebook. And all those accounts have links to our Discord page where you can interact with our community. I have, hope everyone has a great start to their new year. Oh, yeah. Happy New Year, everyone. Happy New Year. That's right. Happy Bars. New Year. The year is new. This in February, knowing our luck. Yeah. <laughs> Ow. All right. Thank you, everyone. Listen. <laughs> 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 <laughs>